Welcome on. Thank you for tuning in to the Bad Hombres FC podcast, a podcast focusing all things pro soccer in the DMV across the U.S. My name is Jose Omaña, sports writer for Sports Pulse, and joining me as always, our co-host, Mario Maya from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, man. Uh, I want to wish all the fathers out there, including Eric Williamson and Andy Nahar, a happy Father's Day. Got time to spend with your father and tell him I love him or give him a the gift man today was the day to do it and also man it feels good to have people a full a full crowd back at Audi field most definitely we'll get into the match in just a second but yes it was good to be at Audi field for those who looking at the clock right now and like what day are we talking about here we're talking about saturday or saturday sticky kicky or dc united defeated into Miami for the second time this season. Goal scored by Ola Kamara in the 72nd minute via penalty kick. 15,005 fans were in attendance. Just first on the fans aspect, and we'll get back to them in a quick second. It was just great to be at a stadium packed with people. No fake audio because MLS and fake audio just doesn't work well live, at least in my opinion. But, um, it was great to be there with fans, and we'll get more into their impact in a second. But, um, you know, the overall match, United once again showing its complete dominance over Miami in terms of possession, offense, and just overall play. But, Martin, what are your thoughts on United in this victory? Final score was one nothing. I'm going to say the following. We said it earlier when they opened back in 25% capacity Audi Field. I'm Missed you bastards. I'm talking about the fans. It was great to have them there. Atmosphere was electric, and it showed. Uh, the game itself, I think DC United played really, really well for most of the match. Again, just like the game against Inter Miami, prior to the international break, they were able to dominate, assert their, assert their style of play, and assert the tempo of the game throughout 90 minutes. Also, Andy Nahart, once again, sir. You body yadi yadi Gonzalo Higuain in the game in Miami. And then you took people's ankles. You took Blaze Matuidi and two other defenders' ankles early in the first half. That was amazing, by the way. It was a great play or just a great sequence of taking ankles from people. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. Overall, I think DC United played well. I think one of the issues that stick, that reared its ugly head back up was the finishing on the final third. I feel that that was lacking. Ola Kamara, yes, got the goal, got the game-winning goal, but he missed several opportunities. This game could have easily ended three or four nothing, but at the end, we'll use the cliche of I guess that's how the cookie crumbles. DC United got the three points and then had a strong showing. But again, I think, I think the, uh, I think they read to readdress the thought, the, the, the issue with finishing on the final on the final third, just a final touch. But other than that, I think DC United played extremely well and also fed off the amazing crowd. Yeah. We'll get to, like I said, we got, uh, Hernando Sada speaking on the crowd in a second. I'll have my more thoughts on the crowd. Um, 
and just the overall festivities of the game. In terms of the match itself, four shots by Ola Kamara, no goals. Like, I've been on this train since the man came here with Wayne Rooney, scored on his first game, and then gets hurt. And then ever since then, he's just been so off in terms of his striking ability. The man gets 800 shots and can only score four goals. It is quite astounding that this is continuing to happen. Yes, the Miami game, and again, we talked about it in this podcast. We had to wonder if that was going to be an outlier or was it a sign of things to come. And so far, based on that performance, yeah, he's getting touches Last year, it was not giving him the service. Fine. He's getting all the service. The Kevin Paredes passed from about acres of spaces away from over 30 yards to a clear open header. Clearly, Ola Kamara overestimated that ball and headed it up instead of heading it down, goes over the bar. The one-on-one chip situation right before halftime. Too much chip on that dip? Too much dip on the chip? Whichever way. It was a shot that doesn't need a chip. We'll talk about somebody who elected, who had the opportunity to chip, but she elected to to just go through the legs. We'll get to Trinity Robin, who did the correct move in that situation in a second. But it's getting to the point where I don't know if DC United can really put their muscle on this guy. It's getting to the point now where Bertha's healthy. He's more of a target striker. Jordi Reyna is back. We saw him on the bench. At what point does Hernan Lozada just say, you know what, I need to I need to make a switch, make a change? Normally, that would have happened during the U.S. Open Cup, but we don't have that this year. Um, I would have loved to have seen it then, but now it's... You kind of, as a fan, you you kind of like, man, I am not, and and all, and he mentioned it that he talked to Ola Kamara. Kamara did not like missing all those opportunities, but he told Ola, Ola Kamara, you cannot be this inconsistent. There are going to be games where, yes, DC United is doing well right now, but there are going to be games with tougher opponents where they're going to find a way to stop United's pressing attack. And he's got to come up with a way to score when he has those opportunities. This is the same team, mind you, that just less than five or six years ago, one shot, one goal, they won. Chris Rolfe had that one shot. They were the first team in MLS to ever do it. It can be done, and it will happen at some point. There, You're only going to have one shot that game, and you better convert. I've been on this bandwagon. I'm going to stay on this bandwagon. DC United needs to come up with a different solution. I thought, oh, Kamara, just so untrustworthy. It's been three seasons, guys. I don't know how much more this guy can give. We didn't give a, we didn't give Pahoy these many chances. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Hell, I don't even think we gave Danny Alsop this these many this many chances. No. <laughs> we did not. I don't I don't know how on earth how on earth Ola Kamara continues to get these chances. Oh, it's ridiculous. They should they should have been up at the very least two nothing at the end of the half. Just, that was the perfect cross by Kevin Paredes, and it's the wrong shot selection. I I would have headed it towards the ground, and you know, and, and let my John McCar- uh, McCarthy, the Miami goalkeeper, deal with it. 
the chip, I think, was unnecessary towards the end of the first half, honestly. I think that was a terrible shot selection. I would have shot that bad boy low. But again, I, I'm an, I was an amateur soccer player. I'm not a professional soccer player. Right. We're talking it's, as amateurs, but at the same time, it's like we call it what we're seeing and what we're seeing. Right. And, and so just absolute sheer, t- like, wrong shot selections. And prior to that, there was a sequence where nobody could hit the ball at the tar- at, at, on target or on frame prior to that chip. But it's getting to the point where you're just sitting going, okay, we need to stop giving this guy this many opportunities. E- either find a way to score your op- – to convert your opportunities or we're going to have to go to the next man up and – Weirdly enough, Giovanni Bolivar, a guy who they said was not ready to play for DC United, let's send him to Loudon. He's got three go- three goals in five games, if I'm not six, mistaken. Six starts, six, six starts, seven appearances, three goals. That that's wild to me. Yeah, that's a sign that he may be ready. Give it a couple more games and see where this goes, but. You cannot be missing these opportunities. And I think that was that was a detriment to United. Luckily, Inter-Miami didn't really have that many answers for, for them last night or Saturday night. And so it, it, didn't, it didn't come to the detriment of the team. But, man, you got to fix that. And especially with the money that you're paying Ola Kabara. Yeah, you gotta fi- you gotta fix whatever is wrong with your mechanics in, in 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 the final touch. Yeah, away from the strikers, you know, I felt that our midfielders played wonderfully, creating plays. Pariola talked about it. He should have scored his opportunity early on in the first half. He had he had a chance. He should have put away. But um, I did think I did agree with Paul's assessment that the right. His right-hand side really struggled uh, after the first half in creating opportunities. But I also thought that um, defense played a large part in United's success. It was something that Miami just struggled to break off. The only shot they really had that was of consequence was right before halftime. And Bill Hamid made the big save, and we'll get to his comments in a second, but you know, Mario, what were your thoughts on the rest of the team? I think that overall, the rest of the team is playing well and they're fitting in nicely. And I think the league is slowly starting to realize this is not the Ben Olsen DC United that that we can underrate anymore. We can put the below the bottom. Hernan Lozada has really come in and said we're going to play this style, and he's implemented this style, and he's walked the walk and talked the talk. Many coaches that come into MLS. They don't want to implement the, especially coaches who've been here. Let me just be frank. Coaches who have been here in MLS, they don't experiment. Whereas co- new coaches that have come into MLS, they've experimented with different styles of press, different styles of formations, and it's really caught the older coaches or more established coaches or coaches that are defensive off guard. So it's really refreshing to see Nandi Nahar juke people out of their minds and say simply Blaze Matuidi back to 2016. It's really great and refreshing to see a young guy like Kevin Paredes, who I still wish was subbed out earlier, not played longer, 
but it's good to see him getting minutes. You know, uh, Griffin Yao got some minutes. I just love the great spread of wealth that we saw yesterday in terms of team dynamic from the midfield and the defense and how collectively as a group they're moving along with this press. Uh, first off to the Blaze Matweedy play with Andy Nahar. You paid all that money for Andy Nahar to sun him. Put that <laughs> into perspective into Miami and sit on it. But as far as the team play, it, it's been fantastic. I think they felt they, well, we could I could safely say it. They've officially bought into our non Losada system. They're now they're now putting it in an execution and they're executing everything they need to on this high press perfectly. And it's been something that a lot of teams in MLS haven't been totally able to figure out as of late. And it helps that you have a full healthy team just about. No, you still got the injuries here and there to burn bomb Flores, but other than that, you have a nearly healthy roster. You even got the young guys who last season may have been playing with a little bit of spark, but Ben Olsen may have been underutilizing them in certain positions, and Anam Losada is using them in their proper positions. And I think that, and it shows that they they've bought into this system that they bought they've bought into the idea of yeah we could play high press and still be defensively sound. I think now the idea of them playing as a as a back three or with a bat with a with a three man line is coming to fruition and it shows because they have back to back shutouts and they've been able to neutralize them to neutralize to neutralize uh, inter Miami in two games. And I think it just shows like they've been able to do to do that in such an effective manner that a it's really I I hope like eye catching the style of play that Anand Losada has implemented for, with the team, but also the response of the team as of late to the to how they've bought into the system. It, it just shows on the it shows the uh, it shows on the on field product and it's been amazing to watch. I've I've been amazed at how Andy Nahar has flourished under Losada in these last few games. He's been a vital, he's been a vital importance. Uh, Adrian Perez, even though this probably wasn't his best game, previous games show that he has been, he's been a perfect cog to whatever machine for for whatever for this for this system. And if the other thing that I like is if something's not working or somebody goes to it to down with an injury, it's next man up and next man up also shows up, shows up. So all in all, I think the stop, the way that they've been playing as of late has been really great. And I think it has put the league on notice that this isn't the same old DC United under Ben Olsen. There's a different DC United and this could be a scary DC United if you have no way of containing them. Yep, agreed. And, um, you know, let's just get it out of one of the players that was very influential in yesterday's match, Bo Hamid, who got a shutout again, uh, <laughs> with one great save. These are his thoughts on what's working. As a team, we have a game plan as to how we're going to move together, whether it's front, whether it's left, whether it's right, whether it's we're moving backwards. But we don't always, we, we never really want to move backwards. We always, we always are trying to move forward as a whole unit. So I think just our style of plays is, is what is kind of 
giving teams a little bit of problems to try to break us down. It's not only Miami. Uh, Orlando didn't really create that many chances against us. Philadelphia didn't create that many chances against us. And those are two big teams in the East. Um, so I think that just our style of play is going to be very difficult for opposing teams to break down, especially when we're on it. And that was Bill Hamid. Before we get off the game and just get into the atmosphere perspectives, um, we have to talk about it. Inter Miami's head coach is it Phil or Gary? I forget which Neville it is. It's Phil. It's right? Phil. Sadly, it's Phil, it's Phil. Sadly, it's Phil. Phil Neville said that he did not agree with both both red cards that Inter Miami got. Oh, I, hold on. I'm sorry. Ryan Shawcross literally grabbed Joseph Mora with the by the neck. You don't agree with that? You don't agree that was a red card? Sir, what the hell were you watching? Well, it was best described by Dave Johnson on the commentary uh, as a horse collar, which, yeah, I do agree. Me, as a person who's been hurt due to a horse collar tackle, will tell you that hurts, especially when you land head first to the ground. Um to me, that's a red card. Uh, but I could have understood if you had a yellow slash orange type of card situation there. But uh, the Gregory, that was the second yellow. That was clearly his, a yellow card. He had to be sent off in the 56th minute. There's no arguing that call for me. <laughs> he comes in, late tackle, full hip check. Well, Kevin Barr is a smaller dude, seven, barely 17 years old. It's a yellow card, second yellow, red. That's the rules. I don't understand. And yeah, look, we're here. We might as well talk about it. I can understand if Miami felt aggrieved because the handball rules have been changed and that could have been accidental. But here's the deal. You put it in the referee's hands, his Arm is way far away from his body at that point. It does look intentional. It looks like it's stopping the ball for proceeding for a free kick. I mean, for a corner kick. It's going to always be called. Sorry. <laughs> that, that one's always going to be called. I felt the refereeing was fine. felt a little lazy. He didn't want to run a lot. But outside of his laziness in terms of running, I thought the referee did a fine job in terms of controlling the match and his calls, not just because of DC United. I feel like he called the game fairly. There were a couple of times where United got some yellow cards that were justified. And so, overall, I just, I'm not in agreement. But, I mean, what's your take, Mario? Are you with Miami fans here that are agreed by the calls? I'm, I'm, I'm more in agreement with the ref, honestly. Uh, horse collar, definitely straight red. Um, you're kind of endangering the player there. Also, Joseph Moore is pretty short, so and Ryan Shawcross is pretty much like yay tall. Yeah, nah, that, that's a red from here to about Burma. Uh, my Myanmar, sorry. Uh, well, the second yellow, I guess you can you 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 can make a little bit of an argument. But it's a yellow card offense, and he's already on a yellow card. Yeah. I agree with it. I don't think refereeing was much of an issue last last night. You can't. But one thing you can I can say is you can't leave these kinds of decisions in the referees' hands because 
yeah, like this well, the handball sometimes is under the uh, under the ref's discretion. And let's face it, the defender's hand was pretty stretched out. So yeah, I would have called the penalty too at that point. But I think I can make a joke about this. Inter Miami out here is disagreeing with calls and disagreeing with finance with uh, the way finance the finances work in MLS. So I, I'm going to agree with the referee with, with the referee's decisions, and not because I, I'm a United fan. It's that other than that, the referee was not bad. Yeah, he was a little bit lazy and not wanting to run all that much, but that could partially be due to the heat because, let's face it, it was muggy outside yesterday. So I don't totally blame him for him not wanting to exert his energy in swampy weather. But <laughs> I, think, I think just Phil Neville crying, crying foul on – on the two red cards is kind of hysterical at the same time. It's like, it's kind of a bad look, man. And they're right. They're right. They were red cards. They're, they were justified, especially the whole, especially the pulling of Joseph Mora from the neck. Like, come on, man, you don't do that in other sports and they won't let you get away with that. What makes you think that the referee was going to let you get away with that one? Yeah. Like just like, I hope for Neville being that he's British, all the papers, this morning, because I'm looking at them right now, all the British tabloids, British press are saying sent off for grabbing opponent by neck. If it doesn't get more clear, I think grabbing opponent by neck is as clear as day of what, why it was called a red card. But I digress. I thought the referee was fine. I, I just felt that we needed to bring it up. It is some of the arguments about last night's match. Uh, in terms of the heat and the atmosphere, for those who didn't know, DC United's game fell on Juneteenth. Uh, that was officially made a federal holiday last week. The club had planned uh, certain things. It was announced on Juneteenth, on the Friday before Juneteenth, that their jerseys would be imprinted with Celebrate Juneteenth and in uh, black and yellow colors, which would look really nice. Um, uh, with the uh, players' names and numbers, um, they had a go-go band. They had black businesses outside uh, offering free samples and allowing fans to purchase items. Like I said, the go-go band was very, as the kids say, lit um, before the game. Uh, Lift every voice and sing was sung before the national anthem. It was a wonderful rendition. Uh, from a member of the Howard University uh, Choir. And also, it was the first game back with fans without uh, COVID restriction, capacity uh, restrictions. And it was great to see the 15,000 packed. People still wearing masks. That was good. I'm glad that some people were adhering to the policy if you haven't gotten vaccinated. Others... Good luck to us playing this game of or have you been vaccinated or not because this <laughs> the majority of that crowd was not wearing masks. But Mario, what did you think of the atmosphere and everything that happened? Um yesterday? that that sounds like a really, really stressful uh, game game <laughs> show right there. <laughs> Are you vaccinated? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not not playing it. <laughs> no, not playing that game. 
other than that, I think the festivities for Juneteenth were really cool. I, I, I especially appreciate that they had a go-go band inside Audi Field. Uh, gives you that extra, you know, DC touch to the event to the events. Uh, also took me back to high school a little bit, so you know, <laughs> that was pretty cool. Uh, I think the rendition of "Lift Every Voice and Sing" was was really great. I I, I think everything just you know, the events surround just surrounding the game, being that it landed on Juneteenth were really cool. It brought it brought it it kind of mixed in with the atmosphere which was already electric coming into this because I'm going to say the following. I missed having a full crowd at Audi field. Yeah. Having four, th- 4,500 people there was nice, you know, because you miss, you missed the crowd in general, but a packed stadium with loud, with a, with loud noise and just the, the team feeding off the energy of a near pack house. It was really, it was really encouraging to see, and also, man, as the kids would say, it was lit. I think, I think the atmosphere and just the crowd not being there for over a year, they brought the noise, and all in all, it was just really cool, just really great to see a pack, a pack stadium for the first time in a really long time, and I think. And with the Ola Kamara goal, I think I mentioned I mentioned it to you in the press box. I got goosebumps not because Ola Kamara scored; it's because of the just the roof, figurative figurative roof, just blowing off the blowing off Audi Field when they scored when they scored, and just the whole roar. It just gave it gave it that 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 big game feel. Like yeah, the fans are back. Because it was building. I felt that that was the... And we'll get to what Hernan Losada thought of the crowd. I thought his comments were great. Um, It was building because of all the missed opportunities. I think that had they scored in that opening six minutes where they had two uh, opportunities, including one on a one that was paused, they you know got them take away, and he could have gotten a shot off. You know there was so many opportunities that they had, and you just felt it was building and building and building and building. And you know while they're 15 and there's some casuals in there, the majority were hardcores that were there, and so they know they've heard that they've seen it on their TV. This team that's building this quicker, faster, more pacier team focused on attack. You know, you you the, the night was building. You had Jaime Moreno, recently inducted Hall of Famer, there. Marco Echeverri, legendary midfielder, there. But and ben Olsen giving a tour of Audi Field to Marco Echeverri and Jaime Moreno. <laughs> but Ben Olsen, his first public appearance since losing the job, technically, with fans in the stands. You know, this is his first appearance in front of fans. You know, not as the coach. You know, and so and he still managed to get a standing ovation when they when they showed him on the jumbotron prior to the on the uh, yeah on the on the on the giant screen prior to the game. I don't know why I called it a jumbotron. I was thinking of WWE for a second. No, but it's it's it that's how much it was building. This crowd, this first match, miss you got all this built up. 
Juneteenth, the COVID, everything is building and building for that moment. And that's why I only give Ola Kamar credit for making that penalty because if he didn't make that penalty, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm scared to ask what would have happened. But I mean, it was a perfect capitalization because it just felt like relief from the start of COVID to the end. Well, not the end, but the pseudo end right now because fans are back in the building. It's just been building and building. You know, D.C. United, remember, they had that issue before the start of that tournament, the MLS is back tournament, where it looked like they had a COVID situation. So it, it had been building and building. And so for them, it must have been relieving as well just to get that goal in. I mean, let's just get it from the man himself, Hernando Sada, new head coach of D.C. Well, not He's been in the charts since February, but here are his thoughts on the crowd and the atmosphere they bought. I hope they like it. I hope they they saw enough uh, energy and entertainment. Uh, we need the fans. Every organization needs the fans. But I kind of feel that our fans are really special. They were supporting us and pushing us uh, when we were looking for that opening goal. Um, and due to so many fans, now I have... Uh, uh, pain in my throat, uh, so that's 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 a positive thing. Uh, I love to play with fans. The players love to play out with our fans, and uh, we hope we can keep on giving uh, good memories and good moments, so they can co- keep on coming to out the field and support us in in good and bad moments because we really need them. Mario, what are your thoughts on Hernan's comments there? That he feels like he's got. A foot on his throat now that he, he has fans there. I think that comes mainly because of all the shots missed, but <laughs> how much did he oh, really that feel? Oh, that's Ola Kamara every time he missed a shot on goal. <laughs> uh, I think just having a head coach saying, I, I was like, I got a sore throat from all the yelling I was doing. I don't think it's that. I think it's more of like, they, it's pressure. I think it's the first time he's. Uh, I, think, he, I think he. Well, I. I feel like he welcomes the pressure, into, with, with the fan, with fans being there at full capacity. Uh, I think that's what most player. He said it best. Players lo- love to play in front of fans, and players and coaches live for this kind of stuff, man. And you didn't get it for about for almost a year, so uh, I think the experience, the experience to act for him to play. In front of a full capacity crowded Audi field, I think motivated him a little more. I think that I think he just perfectly encapsulated everything. He said that uh, well, he said organizations, but he I, he said like teams are nothing without their fans, and, and I agree with that. I agree with that that statement because yeah, fans it, fans are the main ingredient that makes this wonderful sport that we call soccer or football. Just that more, just that more special, or that that even greater. I know I'm sounding like a poet here, but it's true. Like without fans, you can't really do much. Yeah, I, I'm gonna just echo this. I think DC United fans have always been vocal. They've only they've been very high men, high measured because they're smart. And I think that you know, I mean, we saw it in the crowd last night in terms of how the supporter section looked and everything. It's a Chico stand, as some fans call it. Um, it was alive and kicking, but they will tell you, we 
We've seen it at RFK. We've seen it at Audi. If you are performing terribly, they will boo you. And I think that Hernan is, like you said, seeing that pressure, he relishes it. But you better, you better be ready for that pressure when it comes when they lose. <laughs> you better be ready when that fan base is mad at them for a losing streak. Yes, Ben Olsen got a lot of passes. That didn't mean that he will get those equal passes. Yes, he's young. Yes, this is his first abroad, you could say, experience as coach outside of somewhere that he has never played or trained in before. But at the same time, results are what needed. And you can't have a situation like last night where you had five to seven opportunities in the first half and you capitalizing on any of them. So... I think it's good that he feels that pressure to stroke. I think that's been lacking in all teams, sports, to be honest, due to the pandemic. And now it's here. And so um, welcome to pressure. <laughs> pressure. Hey, man, if you, start, if you start performing badly, trust me, the supporter section is going to let you know it in boos and cuss words. Exactly. Um, but before we leave the DC United game, there was one other uh, special event happening at the United game, and that was Dwayne De Rosario was out picking up, uh, meeting fans, and selling copies of his book "Dero My Life." Uh, he is written by him with Brendan Dunlap, and is forwarded by Lennox Lewis, three-time world heavyweight boxing champion. Uh, I was able to get a couple of minutes with D-Row to talk to him about the book and his time with DC United. Uh, here is that conversation for you guys listening to the Battle Bears FC podcast. You're here promoting your book. Just, you know, what motivated you to do the book? I just felt like um, you know, I've been retired for, what, five, six years now. Uh, it took five years to, to put this uh, book together. I just want to tell my story, my journey, and hopefully it can inspire, you know, the future and, and people of all ages, really, that are going through various trials and tribulations, and, uh, you know, that's what my journey and my, and my story is about, you know, uh, and, and also my, my stint as a professional player. You know, a lot of people, when they go, when they're the athlete, they want to do different versions of their biographies. For you, how much of it did you want to focus on your career in general, but also how much did you want to focus on giving advice to those new, new younger athletes yeah, i mean i was i was one of them i was one of them at one time with big dreams hopes and aspirations growing up in a time where soccer wasn't the biggest sport you know growing up time where we didn't have mls and i still was able to make something positive of my life and do sports and that's why i want to encourage the kids that you know now they have opportunities now they have mls and academies all these great um, you know, things before them and, you know, it's important that they understand that, grab it with both hands and believe in themselves. You said five years of the process of writing this book. Yeah, yeah. What, what did you feel was the toughest part of writing this book? Talking about my personal life. Because yeah, <laughs> I never really opened up about my personal life. I've always kept my profession professional. And so to, to, to open up like that was, was, was challenging, but it was also very, um, how can I say, very therapeutic. Who did you, you know, where did you get the advice when there were moments of struggle writing this book? Where, what kind of advice did you seek out? And for you, what was it, how, how much of it was it therapeutic? How much was it, you know, just getting your feelings out there? Yeah, you know what, because, you know, 
inner city kid. Um, when you grow up, you, you the sports was an outlet, right? Sports was a place where that was that was what we used to to channel a lot of our frustration, a lot of our anger. So um, I used that throughout my whole career. So now that now that I'm retired, um, writing it was, was another way of, of me releasing some of those emotions that I didn't know I was holding on to for so long. So it was a, like a good weight off my shoulders. Obviously, we're in D.C. D.C. United fans are gonna want to pick up the book. You know, not to say what what's you know give us a story, but more like what should they expect about your time and what, to reading your time here at D.C. Well, it first starts about giving D.C. its recognition that it deserves. You know, one of the clubs that, that helped build this league to what it is today. Um, but also, my journey here in D.C. was was amazing. It was a difficult year. I, I, I left Toronto. I got traded from from New York to D.C. And in that same year, I was able to be MVP. Um, a year after that, I won D.C. the first U.S. Open Cup. So D.C.'s always been a, a home for me. My kid, my, my son right there, he was born in Bethesda. So, you know, I, I have great love for D.C. A lot of people don't know that even when I started, I uh, was with Thomas Rodman in El Salvador with D.C. And potentially D.C. was going to sign me. And then Frank Gallup was assistant coach and took me, got the head coach job in San Jose. So all that's in the book. That's an interesting story. Yeah. <laughs> in El Salvador, of all places. Yeah, yeah. Lastly, I don't want to hold these people up. Obviously, you know what? What's the ultimate lesson you want anybody reading your book to take out of it? Whether it's a DC United fan, MLS fan, a Canadian fan, what do you want them to take out of your book? Uh, against all odds, anything's possible if you put your mind into it and if you believe in yourself. Anything's possible, and I'm living testament of that. And that was an interview with me and uh, Dero. Again, you can pick up this book online. Dero was here. It was good to pick it up while he was here. Uh, I'm going to enjoy reading it, and I recommend, if you haven't already, pick it up. You can go on Dero's Twitter account as well as, like I said, Dero's website to order the book. It's 30 bucks. It's not bad. Plus, like I said, if you're a fan of Dwayne sorry, his time at DC United or his time in general in MLS, it's worth the look uh, before we head out we wanted to talk about we mentioned it earlier the spirit played me and Mario aren't gonna rock the boat here we're gonna do a more thorough spirit analysis next week but they did play at the same time with dc united they got a 1-1 draw trinity robin gets her first uh goal as a professional to tie the game for the spirit again we'll do more of a spirit analysis next week as we'll have more time to watch both matches as well as absorb what's been going on with Spirit. But one thing we did want to talk about is Kumi Yokihama. She was on a podcast recently on YouTube, and she recently announced that she's coming out as a transgender male, um, becoming the most highest-profile Japanese athlete to do so. Um, in this uh, YouTube video, she said... She, playing in the U.S. and Germany has shown that it is possible to open and live as a transgender person. Quote, I've dated several women over the years, but I decided to stay closeted. In Japan, I've always been asked if I had a boyfriend, but here in the U.S., I am asked if I have a boyfriend or girlfriend. When my girlfriend said there is no reason for me to stay closeted, it really hit me. Coming out wasn't something I was enthusiastic about, but I think it is I think about my life going forward and it would be harder to live closeted so i found the courage to come out the spirit has some comments that we will get to in a second but mostly supportive of uh, these translations come from dan 
Orlowitz from the Japan Times. So thanks for the translation. But Mario, what are your thoughts on this news? We kind of saw it yesterday before the match. Everyone was online talking about it, very supportive. So Mario, what are your thoughts on this news about her coming out and, you know, how supportive everyone has been thus far? Um, I, I think I'll throw my name. I'll throw my uh, my name to the hat there. I'm very supportive of her co- coming out, wanting to live her truth, and, and all and, and so forth. And I think it's really nice to see that everybody support supporting Ku, uh, Kumi Yokoyama on in, in this with her coming out would be with her coming out as a transgender male male, and because I believe I. And I've known several people from the LGBTQ plus community. For them, it's not been easy for them to come out, come out, come out as as uh, as gay or lesbian or as transgender or bi or what have you. And so all, all so and also the the interview itself it gives you a good perspective on where the LGBTQ plus community have like are, are in certain in certain aspects uh society wise in different countries across, across the world i know that the u.s doesn't have is ha, has a okay track record with and when it comes to lgbtq plus rights i mean there it's improved that to where something as simple where they ask him if you ask someone if or ask kumi does she have a boy a boyfriend or a girlfriend for somebody, it would be for somebody that asked that here. It seems a little more mundane, but giving that only in Japan, they only asked her if she had a boyfriend. It, it give it it kind of opens up a little bit of what the social, of what the aspects or just the social norms or just asking someone in the LGBTQ plus community that kind of a question. How how much more comfortable they would be. In another country, than another country believing their truth instead instead of being closeted in in another country. I know I'm explaining myself pretty well, but uh, I think just giving just give her giving the aspects between the differences of her being closeted in Japan, like living closeted in Japan and not being able to live out her truth, and be and living and living a little more freely in Germany and the United States. Kind of open up opens up your eyes of where where it stands when it comes to LGBTQ rights or LGBTQ plus rights and just them just them co- coming out on and expressing who they really are. Yeah, it's not an easy topic for two straight Hispanic males to talk about knowing <laughs> our culture um, and how depending on. You know, living in the United States has been a different experience for us than if you go down south and speak to our Hispanic brothers and sisters who live down there. And, you know, a lot of them are intolerant and there's a lot of that are supportive. In Kumi's case, first off, shout out to the spirit. I think spirit from the moment this podcast came out, they were they went quick to the social medias and were very quick to say, hey. Kumi going forward is going to be recognized as they, them. Um, the Spirit's known about this transition since she came to the club last year. Um, and they have been very supportive 
Uh, Kumi's always been a player that, when covering their matches, been very smiling and very happy to be there. And um, she she deserves all the praise that she's getting, but mainly deserves respect. I mean, it's very hard for those who are LGBTQ to come out, and I think it's it, it, they deserve respect. I think of all the things, praise and everything, I think it's just respect because that's all they want is to be able to live their life the way they want to live it. And as, like I said, straight men, we're not asked those kind of leering questions of who's your boyfriend girlfriend like that would be traumatizing to an extent every time you go to see family or friends they're asking right and it also like gives you that yeah Yeah. sorry but also gives you like that cultural aspect and how different cultures go about when it comes to lgbtq plus rights right like just a simple the simple question of do you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? And I'm guessing in Kumi's case, it it has to be very refreshing instead of having for years being like, so, do you have a boyfriend? You know, like simple stuff like that. I think you you brought you picked the nail on the head here, and just 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 give them the most respect because, yeah, they they may live. They may have a different truth from from you. Again, not an easy topic for two straight Hispanic males to talk about, but <laughs> we're... well, well, not to cut you off, but like Richie Burke was asked about the podcast dropped Friday evening, and podcast slash video. It's on YouTube. Um, dropped the Friday evening. I recommend Dan Olerit's, uh recapper because. He translate. He did a great job in terms of translating and putting everything in perspective. Of uh, in the Japan Times, I don't know why I keep saying I like that Japan Japan Times. Um, translated well in everything that she said, and Richie Burke, like right after that game, again you get a one-one draw in Chicago, probably a game you felt that you should have won. You're probably slightly frustrated, and you get this tough question. You're probably not expecting it. And his response was very, first off, I gotta give him credit because I'm gonna make this mistake. I know I've made this mistake. Um, the pronoun game uh, <laughs> of what would you uh, be called? I've, uh, I've also kind of made that mistake too in the past. So I think yeah. I gotta give Richie credit. He was correcting himself throughout the darn thing. Um, I don't have the audio, but here's some of the quotes. Kumi's a very popular player with our club, a very popular person. We will support anything they want to do. We have no time for hate. We only have time for love in this football club. I love Kumi, always will, always have a special place for someone with that mentality. Look, you will find out that when she, he, they, again, she is transitioning, I'm going to be, I'm going to learn to transition. I'm going to be making a lot of mistakes. And while I do it, I hope you bear with me because it's nothing malicious because I absolutely love Kimi Yokihama. Our club is inclusive completely. Our club is all about loving all players, no matter no hate involved in our club, our football club, in our training ground. We want her to be the happiest person she possible she can be possibly. They can be. <laughs> he still 
she can possibly be, they can be. I'll continue to support them whenever, whatever that process takes. They are very brave. They're very committed to this process. And if that's what they are going to do, I'm going to do whatever I can to support them. Every time I see Kumi in the morning, I give her a big hug. Every time I see her, I tell her, Ohio, which is the normal greeting for each other in Japanese. And you know, as long as they're happy, I'm happy. Too many times, you know, we, we see with Bruce Arena, we see with Bill Belichick. It's not about the game. They kind of brush off the question. Take, I got, one's got to give Richie credit. Like, this, he probably hadn't even known about the podcast, let alone, <laughs> let alone, let alone that, she, you know, she made this public. The club, again, knew about it because she, she's had surgery to remove her breasts already and will complete the full transition after her playing career, um, according to the article uh, in the translation of the show. Um, and he's known about it. And he's for him to articulate that kind of an answer right after a match, which, again, the Spirit probably felt that they could have won that game. It's It shows you how much the club has been working to make sure when the day came, they want to get it right. And I think that the spirit hit on all the correct notes, especially after the game with Richie's comments. Absolutely. I think, I think for one, how, how the spirits handled it, this whole thing. I think they, again, they, they showed that they are a, a class A club by just handling the situation really well. I think uh, Richie's answer was, re- was really good. I, I understand that, he probably wasn't expecting this question after after a tough game, but I think he hit the he hit. I think his question hit all the right answers all and all the right all the right notes, because again, it's not an easy subject to talk about. But what 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 subjects are easy to talk about? To be honest with you, but it's it's something that needs to be talked about. It has to be discussed. It's out. It's out there. And I think all, all I can say in my part is nothing but love for Kumi. For Kumi. Uh, I hope that the transition goes smoothly. Again, you can see me that you can see that clearly we're, we're going to struggle with the pronouns. So like Richie Burke say, bear, bear with us. You know, we're going to get it right. But it, ta- it takes a little bit of time. But it, and all in all, I think just them supporting Kumi through this whole situation because I don't think I don't think that these kinds of transitions from going from from transitioning from being female to male or male to female are easy I don't think it I don't think it's easy at all so I think it shows that they support that they support Kumi through all through all this that they're they they pretty much see is how can we help you feel more comfortable in some kind of regard when it comes to all of this. And so I, I think that's where I, I, I tip my hat to the spirit in this situation. And I tip my hat to Ricky, to Richie Burke for his answer. And, and again, I think that he said it best. There's no time for hate in this, in the club or hate in the sport in general. And, and if you got something, I'm, Gonna be a little more personal here. If you've got something 
bad to say about Kumi throughout this whole transition, then you're just a born hater, and we ain't got time for that. I think Spirit did a wonderful job. I wish Kumi nothing but the best. I mean, trans rights have been trampled with for political game since the presidential election, and it's unfair to those who want an outlet. <laughs> so, um, Kumi has clearly gained an outlet playing football, playing soccer, um, and found that she can be herself playing this game. And I think that opportunity should be available to everyone. You know, Ashton Harris on Sunday um, organized a silent protest in a way with having her teammates and the opposing team wear shirts in support of trans rights. And, you know, Orlando, the Orlando Pride, very supportive of the Pulse uh, massacre that happened there and the shootings that have happened. You know, that Orlando soccer organization's have been great in supporting Pulse and what, you know, how making sure that the memory of that incident is never forgotten and the fact that she's willing to put her name on fighting a governor over there, over the, the situation in Florida about banning trans children play athletics. It's, it's sad. I think that any outlet that helps one not just discover themselves, but allows them to build a release uh, healthy and safely um, without hurting themselves or anyone else is, is a good thing. And I think Kumi has found that in, in this game. And it's shown her that she can live her life openly and freely as possible. Hopefully by the time her career ends, she's going to be happy with the decision that she made in terms of coming out during her career and trans- then transitioning afterwards. Um, that's a hard thing to probably want to hold back until the end, but she probably wants to continue her career, and we should respect that. And, you know, props to them um, going forward. Uh, she's got my support. <laughs> no doubt about that. And like you, I'm going to be trying problems with that pronoun game, but they would like that going forward, and we should respect Kumi's wishes. And uh, hey, I, again, the Spirit's doing a great job. I know the Spirit Battalion and the Red uh, Red Rose Collective will be supporting her when matches return back. Uh, they got a match coming up at Segwa soon. So, yeah, I hope that the crowd gives her a nice ovation in her first home match back uh, after this announcement. And that's all I can really say in terms of the fans in the club. The club has done 100% good stuff and we should hope that everybody else does going forward as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I support I support Kumi as well. I, I think that it's commendable to come out to come out in, in probably such a, in a public manner. So I support I support I support Kumi a hundred percent on this. Also, I don't agree on using trans rights for political gain. I think no matter what your orientation or your gender is, I think you should have a, 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 a healthy outlet to, to pretty much exert energy or what, or what have you, you know? And I think everybody has the right to play sports, no matter what your orientation or what your gender is. 
so I, 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 I support, I support Kumi in, in this, uh, in this endeavor. And I think everybody should, should, I'm, I know the spirit's going to be behind her hundred percent. I think the fans are going to be a hundred percent behind Kumi. And again, like we've said, we've previously stated throughout this whole topic, we're, 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 we're going to get, we're eventually going to get the hang of this whole, of the whole uh, pro pronoun game. So again, <laughs> bear, bear with us. It's alert. I, I think like everything in life, it's a learning process. So other than that, no, wish Kumi Yukiyama nothing but the best going going through this transition. I think that's enough for us on this podcast. It's very hard to end on that kind of a note, but it was just good. We wanted to show our support. Uh, it was a breaking news story right before the games yesterday, and so it was good just for us to get it out in the open. But that's enough for us. Before we go, Mario, go ahead and tell the people where they can find more information about you. All right, if you want to find all the stuff I'm working on or just want to see my interview with Moises Linares or my latest interview that's up, that's up there. Uh, I or my latest interview with Andy Nahar, the proud father of three inter Miami defenders. You can follow me on Twitter at Mario Maya one. You want to follow Tiempo Latino and see what they're doing, what news they're breaking every day in the war in the, in the world or in the DMV. You can follow them at El Tiempo Latino on Twitter. You can find their website, eltiempolatino.com. And if you want to put money in my pocket so I can lavishly spend it on my father on three-course meals at a buffet, you could just print, you could just pick up a physical newspaper copy at a local newsstand or at your local metro station. And as I said earlier, Dero, My Life by Dwayne Durasaro is available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at duanedurasaro.com. The autobiography of, quote, the best male soccer player to ever come out of Canada before David Beckham, Kaká and Zlatan, Dero was the godfather of Major League <laughs> Soccer, unquote. You can buy that book right now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and DwayneDurasari.com. Thanks for tuning in with us here on the Battle on Braves FC podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Jose underscore M underscore Mana for more. Special shout out as always to Kyle McLeod and Ipotech for the intro music. Thank you, Dwayne DeRosario, for joining us on the podcast for that quick chat. Remember, rate and subscribe as always on Anchor, Spotify, and all your audio platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Battle Race FC podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Adios.